0: Welcome to The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau. We're a TV show and a syndicated radio show, and we are stepping into the conversation and looking to
1: uncover how faith influences culture and how culture influences our faith. Be prepared to hear from some amazing guests, known and unknown, insightful conversations
0: that will get you thinking. And most importantly on the show, we are especially interested in encountering the living God and hearing about how He is transforming lives. Check us out on the World Wide Web at www.theperspective.tv. On Facebook, you can search The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau, and you can also find us on YouTube.
2: Today on The Perspective with Pastor Mike Sherboneau and co-hosting this week is Mitch Hunter. Today, Samuel Rodriguez is a trailblazing pastor, civil rights activist, movie producer, TV personality, and the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. At the young age of 16, Sam gave his first sermon and he's never looked back. Serving Presidents Bush, Obama, and Trump, his counsel is a gift to many. His book, Be Light, reached number one on the LA Times bestseller list, and his Persevere with Power made both English and Spanish bestsellers lists. Samuel was the executive producer on Breakthrough, which won an Oscar for best song. The film, Flaming Hot, is a true story about the man behind Flaming Hot Cheetos, directed by Ava Longoria known as America's most influential Latino-Hispanic faith leader, and here to talk about his latest work, Your Messy Life, God's Miracle. Welcome, Samuel Rodriguez. Hey, I'm glad you're with us today on The
0: Perspective. Mitch, this is going to be an exciting show, man. I think we're going to have fun, Mike. Oh, I'm so looking forward to talking to Pastor Samuel. And, uh, you know, as I'm jumping down, we're looking at that flaming Hot Cheeto I mean, that's gonna touch my heart right there because (laughs) Cheetos is my number one go-to snack food. I'm just gonna confess that right now. I don't know if it's a sin, but it's just the reality. I love Cheetos. They're delicious, Mike. I got out of the hospital you know, a while back and they said I could have snack food. I went for Cheetos all there. Good. But let's welcome Pastor Samuel today. Pastor, we're glad you're with us. Thank you for coming on The Perspective and it really is an honor to have you here today.
3: Honor to be with you. Thank you for having me. Go Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, go Cheetos. Uh, you know the
0: confession would be, have you eaten as many Cheetos as I have? But maybe we don't want to talk about that.
3: Probably not. <laughs> no,
0: especially when there's somebody comes on and wants to talk about health and fitness. I believe in all of that and Cheetos. Cheetos in my Bible. We got to be able great to do way both. To go. <laughs>
4: yep. Yeah.
0: Pastor, (laughs) you've advised uh, presidents, you've written books. We saw that in the promo, but I want you to talk to me just a little bit uh, out of your heart right now about your latest book, God's Mess, Your Mess, Rather, God's Miracle. Your Mess, God's
3: Miracle. Talk to us about that book. It's a clarion call. I wrote it coming out of the heels of COVID. It's a clarion call for your generation, my generation, America, Canada, North America, the world. Uh, Right now, we're in a mess. And every single time we believe we're coming out of that mess, it gets what? (laughs) It gets messier. It gets messier. Uh, It's the mess of moral relativism, the mess of cultural decadence, spiritual apathy, ecclesiastical lukewarmness. There's definitely a mess regarding the next generation, right? There's an attempt to conflate, confuse the next generation on so many levels. The world is messy. Maybe messier than ever before. In the midst of that mess, is there any sort of a biblical narrative that elevates the notion or even possibly the promise, way beyond the supposition or a hypothetical, of God making a miracle out of the mess? John chapter 9. Jesus encounters a man who was born blind, literally makes a mess, takes his spittle, combines it with the dirt, makes a mud ball spreads it. Behind that mess, there was a what? A miracle. Hence, I am believing that behind this mess, we are about to see a miracle. We are about to see an outpouring of the Spirit of God, a legitimate, viable, measurable awakening where people will come to Christ as Lord and Savior more than ever before in our
1: generation. Well, so Pastor, let me ask you, you talk about one of the things you said has caused the mess in North America is moral relativism. And you say you are looking forward to seeing a generation turn to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so some people will say, Pastor Sam, don't push your morals on me. I'm going to live the way I want to live. But you say that attitude has got us into trouble. Unpack that a little bit for us, particularly for a person who has a hard time agreeing with
3: you. Oh, no, without a doubt. Morality as it pertains to the very pillars of not just Western civilization anymore, civilization period, no longer just Western civilization. We understand, and I mean we collectively, there are a number of very prominent atheists at the highest level with academic rigor who have expressed and have written in such a way affirming the fact that our Judeo-Christian value system undergirds civilization and civility in society. Meaning what? There are moral pillars that transcend a faith worldview or a myopic, rigid sort of religious faith landscape or infrastructure. There are things that bring us together. Morality across the board, we are going down the slippery slope of not just deconstructionism in the church, but we're going down the slippery slope of doing away with absolutely every vestige of truth. When we hear mathematics challenge, I kid you not, in America, in the state of California, 2 plus 2, there is a pushback. I am not making this up. Please Google it. There is a pushback on 2 plus 2 being 4. Because somehow, mathematics does not reflect equity. And and because there's an understanding by those that would like to espouse the idea that science and math are inherently racist, we should do away with mathematics because Mm -hmm. two plus two may not be four. It is that sort of ludicrously. It's anti-logic, anti-common sense, anti-human rationale. And that is prompting people to do away with all messages of morality. What is right and wrong has already been determined to a great sense. And it's what perpetuates human civilization. And we need to affirm that. We need to double down on that and do it with love but moral relativism whoop, yep. the next generation will will have a difficult time understanding the difference between a a truth and a lie unless the church of jesus rises up with moral clarity and espouses and elevates that truth with love and hope and righteousness and justice around you
0: let me jump in and, and pick up on that because you've given us the answer How do you see that happening and unfolding? You can talk to me as a pastor. Uh, I would appreciate that. Like, what are the steps that need to happen from
3: your perspective? One, here it is. Here's a rubric, real simple. Every single day, every pastor, every Christian leader, every Christian mom and dad should wake up with the following rubric. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. I'll repeat that. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Two, you are what you tolerate in your family, in your home, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your calling, in your city, in your generation, in your nation. You are what you tolerate. Three, truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political or cultural expediency. Number four, there is no such animal as comfortable Christianity. (laughs) You're not here to be comfortable and drink your latte. You're here to share the gospel of Jesus to a broken world. And number five, Always reconcile your eschatology with your mystiology, which means what? People may say, why should we speak truth? Why should we care about this generation or the next? Christ is coming. Things are going to get darker. It doesn't matter what we do. Well, listen, sunshine, I do believe Christ is coming. But while we are waiting for Christ to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. Reconcile your eschatology with your mystiology, how do we do it? We do it with Psalm eighty nine fourteen. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Truth and love lead the way as attendance. That's it. If so all powerful. we do is speak truth, if all we do is speak truth, we are nothing more than mathematicians. If all we do is preach love, we are California hippies. That's all we are. The moment we speak truth in love, truth with love and truth for love, we are born again, Christ followers, and we will do nothing less than change the world. Well,
1: Pastor, I like how you summed that up. And I think I was going to ask you, but you actually answered the question because I've seen many people who are apathetic about this whole conversation about uh, morals and trying to throw them out the window and truth. Some people don't care. They say, hey, I'm just gonna do my own thing. I've seen on the other side, hardcore right-wing Christians shouldn't even say right-wing but people very very committed to truth but they end up hurting people's feelings and not listening and not actually treating other people like people and so when you say we have to speak truth in love I think that summarized that so perfectly and indeed that's how we see Jesus acting uh through the gospels so folks at home stay with us we're going to be right back with pastor Samuel Rodriguez and unpack more of these things do you live in the Niagara area? Are you looking for a great summer option for your children? North End Church is offering six weeks of summer day camps that any child would love. Check out all the options at northendchurch.ca.
4: Looking for a church to connect with? North End Church at 455 Geneva Street in St. Catharines has the welcome hat out for you, and Pastor Mike would love to get to meet and talk with you. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. North End Church, where everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible.
0: We're back with uh, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. And Pastor, I don't know how you handle all the political things that you've been doing in uh, speaking life and hope to various uh, uh, presidents, uh, regardless of what side of the fence they've been on. You also lead the, uh, the largest uh, Latin American movement, uh, and that is huge in itself. But my question is, where did you find time to be the executive producer for <laughs> Flame and Hot? Okay, and what was your uh, hidden agenda with all of that?
3: No, I love producing. Uh, uh, it's my second major film of a secular studio. I've done other films and consulted with Paramount and Mark and Roma Downey, who are great friends. But this is my second major film producing, and I have a bunch of other contracts for films for the next 20, 30 years, Lord willing. Uh, I love it. It's a passion of mine. It's content that leads to conversation that leads, inevitably, by faith to conversion, inevitably to cultural reformation. It's why we do what we do. The Flaming Hot idea was an idea that God gave me regarding a friend of mine, Richard Montanez, and I heard his story. He serves on one of my boards, and I looked at him and said, hey, Richard, I'm going to make your story into a movie. And he laughed and said, Sam, People have tried and failed, not going to happen. Here we are, flaming hot on Disney and Hulu. And it's full of faith and hope and family. It's comedy, it's drama, uh, but all undergirded with a conversion experience when Richard gave his life to Jesus. Y'all don't want to miss it. Wow. So let me ask you how are you able
1: to integrate your personal faith into uh, movie making, which To many people, they would say, well, that's a secular activity I'm going to do. And this actually ties back to what we were talking about before. Here's what I'm going to do during the day. I have my own private faith on the side. But you just said that you were able to weave stories of faith into what you're doing. So talk to us about your own experience with uh, being a person of faith, doing a seemingly secular activity and how the general public, uh, how us as Christians can learn, hey, our faith is not just uh, for me to pray for five minutes before bed. It actually matters in all parts of my life. How do we understand that?
3: Mitch, there is no such animal as private Christianity, ever. That's counterintuitive to every single writing from the apostle Paul. You can't keep your Christianity private because Christianity in itself demands for you to turn on the light, to be light, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Be light, you are the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you bring forth that light and then subsequently hide it under a bolt. You let it shine. For all men to see the good deeds that God is doing in you, with you, for you, and through you, be light. Yeah, so there is, it's who I am. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I love Jesus so much that in all of my activities I want the world to know that Christ is real and the power of God to love and to forgive to transform lives needs to be evident in all of my actions words deeds and thoughts so I don't put Jesus away for what I do at night 5 minutes it's it's all that I am the apostle paul wrote something very powerful Christ is my everything colossians 3:11 that powerful Christ is my everything. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Yeah, For such a time as this. You know, Pastor,
0: so important for us to hear these words, and especially in Canada, because a lot of times we almost seem to promote a silent faith. What is uh, exciting to me is some of the initiatives that you are leading. I wonder if you could just talk to us about this as you bring... Uh, about cultural reform, especially with the whole issue of immigration. Not only is it a hot topic between the States and Mexico, it's a hot topic right now in our news between Canada and the U.S., you know, with the whole immigration situation. How has your faith in Christ empowered you and challenged you to take these bold initiatives?
3: Yeah, I wake up in the morning with a commitment of never, ever marrying a political agenda. Politics is not a bad thing. The art of compromise of engagement for the advancement of the greater good. With that being said, I'm, I don't wake up in the morning as a Republican or a Democrat. I'm an independent. I'm fully married to the lambs agenda, the lambs agenda. In America, as you will know, Democrat, the, the mascot is a donkey. <laughs> no jokes there, stop. On the other side, it's the elephant that represents Republicans. I wake up in the morning and go, I'm not going to marry the agenda of the donkey or the elephant. I'm going to marry the agenda of the lamb, who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am, polit- I am politically engaged. I have some values that undergird and compel me to vote accordingly to a biblical worldview. But with that being said, Um, We espouse it with truth and love, as we mentioned previously, and we do it in a way where it brings people together with a reconciliatory prescription undergirded by the truth of the gospel of Christ.
0: Wow. I am uh, just taken back by that as I'm pondering our own scenario here in Canada. What needs to be done is I'm watching different people stepping up and saying, how am I going to respond? And it is so easy To sit back and say someone else can do that, or I will pray for them. As you navigate, uh, and we'll go political for just a minute. You talked about how you carry that independent uh, perspective. I'm intrigued to know what is it that God has allowed, apart from His supernatural working, to give you favor with both parties.
3: I can't explain it. It's a God thing. I never sought it. Never knocked on it. When I was a kid, when I was a young man uh, in an Assembly of God Church in America, and my parents are not pastors, I grew up with a mathematical affinity. I, I still believe math is the language of God, especially calculus. <gasps> can't believe I said that. I'm, I'm a Trekkie, so I preach like Kirk, but I think like Spock. Um, <laughs> would that be true? With that being said, um, I, I, I am so fully committed when God gave me a word about speaking to presidents when I was 12, 13 years old. Through a man I never met wow. before, uh, in front of everyone, by the way, so it's been you know documented, ver- verified. A young lady was there who saw it, who is my wife of 33 years. A couple of hundred people, and so forth. There's videos on it, and so forth. From me. actually the person who gave me the word, who I met 30 years later. Wow. Uh, uh, with that being said, uh, I, I have the privilege of advising both sides of the aisle, and I do it because I walk into the Oval Office or I walk into the White House with a commitment of saying this is going to sound a little bit out there for many. Holy Spirit, I will not speak unless you want me to speak. It needs to come from you. Filter every single word, every idea, every iota. Let it come from you, and let it bring glory to the name of Christ. So I walk into these meetings, and if they want me to speak, I I don't raise my hand. I, I say, Lord, if you want me to speak, have the president to ask me, Samuel, what say ye? Or the chief of staff. And that's what happens. So it's my modus operandi. We, we espouse an agenda that is transformative, that is full of life, religious liberty, and biblical justice in a nutshell, and that recognizes the Imago Dei, the image of God in every single human being. Back to Psalm eighty I'm doubling down. Righteousness, justice, truth, love. That's the agenda. Wow.
1: Well, so pastor, let me just ask you in the last 30 seconds or so, uh, I'm wondering for a person who's watching this interview and is saying, okay, it matters, uh, the different tensions and culture with, uh, what Christ says and what the world says. It matters in politics, the way that things play out, but I'm going to leave it to somebody else. seems like pastor Samuel has a hold of it. I'm sure other people are going to do it. What do you say to that person who's wondering, is God really going to involve me in all of this?
3: Yes, because change will only come about when Christians rise up with truth and love, righteousness and justice in the name of Jesus. Acts 2.14, the Spirit of God filled the upper room and what happened? Peter stood up and raised his voice. He did what? He was binging on Netflix or he was swiping on his app. No, he stood up and raised his voice. We must stand up and raise our voices. In, In every sphere of society, politically, culturally, in our families, in our homes, with our children and our school systems. Again, with love, not in some sort of cuckoo for Cocoa Puff, extremist, angry manifestation that contradicts the Word of God. But with truth and love, stand up, raise your voice, and I promise you, you will change your world. Wow.
0: Pastor, I want to thank you for taking the time out of a busy schedule to be with us today. Your latest book is called Your Mess, God's Miracle. I want to encourage people to get a copy of it. You have uh, inspired us today as we've been listening. And when you think about Canada, pray for us. Pray that many more people will stand up and speak out. May God bless you and encourage you as well. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Stay with us, folks. We're going to be right back. Well, my head is still reeling from all the different things
1: that Pastor Sam Rodriguez was sharing with us. And uh, Mike, I think if That was I, awesome. Oh, he was really good. I think if I just had to pick one thing to hone in on, the idea that there's no such thing as a private Christianity. And that conflicts so much with everything we're told about. You have your private religion, but here's how we're going to do things. Here's my religious opinion, but here's how I actually think everybody else should see the world. But he said we are to be uh, like a city shining on a hill, and that's out of Matthew. And I just think, Mike, What an encouragement for me. And I hope folks at home that when we're called to live as Jesus lived, that's not a public private thing. That's my whole being.
0: Yeah. And I think in particular, it's a call to Canadians. Canadians say, hey, we need to stand up. Mm -hmm. You know, we often make fun of ourselves, you know, that we are so polite. You know, anybody could run over us. Jesus called us to speak up, to speak truth. And I hope that as you're listening today, you'll be inspired to think about the situation that you're in, to realize the difference that you can make if you stand up and if you speak up. Stay with us, be right back for my teaching. We're here today and in a beautiful environment, 13th Street Winery in Niagara. And uh, what we see here is part of the outdoor art gallery. And it's just amazing how people have created all sorts of different things. Fantastic artists from all over the area have contributed. You can see the wildlife that's over there and these amazing sculptures out of iron. Just think of what was involved in bending it. And you know, as we ponder bending the iron, even if you look at some of these things, it requires heat and you got to apply heat to it for it to change. So often that's like life, isn't it? We feel the heat. I know someone once said, if you, you know, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. But that's not what we're talking about because there's many times we happily say, yeah, I wanna get out of the kitchen. I wanna avoid the problem that I'm going through. But what we've been learning in the book of Romans Chapter 8 is that God is creating something amazing in our lives and through our lives as he accomplishes his plan, not ours. And years ago, when I said yes to following Jesus, really what I was doing was I'm giving up my agenda, but I discovered that I was rigid, that I needed to be shaped and reformed. And And God allowed things, and he still allows things that have created heat in my life so I can be bent in the way that he wanted. Because ultimately he wants us all to become like his own son, Jesus, who didn't wanna go to the cross, but he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. We've been talking out of the book of Romans chapter eight. I wanna go back there today and pick up what we left off yesterday because we discovered God's plan for our life. We said he foreknew us. He predestined us to be conformed to his image. And we talked a little bit about what the being conformed to his image actually looks like. What is the heat process? What is the bending look like? Well, upwards, if I think about it in three ways, three dimensional, am I learning to trust God? And then inward, am I living for others or for myself? And then outward, what am I doing with my relationships with people? I need to take care because the Bible says, watch out that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I wanna park our thoughts there for a moment. It is easy to be overwhelmed with bitterness towards someone. God says, watch out for that. Part of the conforming to my likeness, to my image, is learning to deal with bitterness. Think of Jesus. What is one of his final words on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. People might not forgive you, but you can choose to forgive them. And the moment you do them, that ball and chain around your leg is broken off and you discover freedom. Paul writes even more, And he said, those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he justified. That is a beautiful word, justify. It means to declare to be in the right. And the moment I trusted Christ and said yes to him, he said, your sins, Michael, have been paid for. I declare you to be in the right before me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to panic anymore. I know that I'm secure with God. And then he says, those whom he justified, as if that wasn't good enough, he says, he also glorified. And the idea of glorified, the tense in the Greek language speaks of God who knew the beginning to the end. He knows every part of your story. And we keep coming back to the whole issue of, when I go through difficult times, I'm saying, Lord, I'm gonna choose to believe this is for your good, for your honor. I think of many people who've gone through difficult times and what has happened? People who go through similar hard times are drawn to them. Or we see people who have risen up through adversity. They stand stronger. Is it any wonder that God wrote in the book of Corinthians, he said that God comforts us. He wants to comfort you. And with that same comfort that we experience from him, we can comfort other people. I believe that in a nutshell is what Paul is talking about. He says, we know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. His good is wrapped up as me when I and you and we together are saying, yes, Lord, yes. One simple yes to God can change your outlook on life today. Saying, I'm gonna choose joy. I'm gonna choose to trust you. I'm gonna choose to believe that this is the journey that you want me to walk in. Tomorrow we're gonna conclude our teaching from Romans chapter eight, but let me leave you with this one thought, that in the midst of it all, when God calls us to be his children, he calls us to be conquerors. You feel defeated today, time to rise up and by faith saying, God, I'm gonna choose to surrender my will to yours and to walk in the joy that is my entitlement as a
4: child of God. Thank you for listening to The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau. If you like what you heard or have a question for Mike, send him an email at this address, Mike at theperspective.tv. Again, that's Mike at theperspective.tv. Visit our website at www.theperspective.tv and check out our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com and type in The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau there you'll find hundreds of videos that'll keep you entertained and thinking for hours. Thanks again for listening to The Perspective, where we are always seeking to uncover how faith influences culture and how culture influences our faith. Until next time, we'll talk to you then.